0: The Alamo Bowl is upon us. What to look for in this game as Oregon wraps up its 2021 football season. Plus, who's going to win the matchup and what are the pivot points for each team? All that right here on Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time. Once again, it's Locked on Ducks. I'm Spencer McLaughlin, your host. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with your team every weekday. Remember to like and subscribe. If you have not already, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show right now. So the Alamo Bowl is upon us. Boy, I feel like that college football season Went by in the blink of an eye, didn't it? I mean, Oregon has already played 13 games. This will be game number 14, all played in calendar year 2021. And then we won't see them again until Dan Lanning is the head coach next year, which is exciting. But, you know, I think there's still a lot to look for in this game against Oklahoma, which should be a really fun matchup. So let's start with that. What should Oregon fans be watching for As They consume the Alamo Bowl from their couches at home, or maybe some of you are going down to the game. I hope it'll be a good-sized crowd, but I suspect it'll probably be more slanted towards Oklahoma, given that the game is in San Antonio, so they're uh, not nearly as far away to have to travel to get to the game, but I'm sure duck fans will still uh, will still show up in decent numbers, and you know as I've been talking about, there are duck fans all over the place, and hopefully that uh, that proves to be true in the Alamo Bowl this week. But few things to look for. Talked about this yesterday on the pod extensively. If you missed it, go back and listen. But Travis Dye is expected to play at running back, and he is 42 yards away from becoming the fifth Oregon running back in Duck history to reach 3000 for his career, which is a pretty tremendous feat. That's the number one thing that, uh, that Duck fans will want to maybe look out for it from a statistical perspective. But as you look ahead to the future of this Oregon football program and where it's going to head and who's going to play and who's going to be impactful, this is a great opportunity for a lot of different guys. And what I would like to have happen, I know it's not going to, but... In a perfect world, I'm not saying Anthony Brown wouldn't play quarterback, but I, I just would love to see Ty Thompson or Robbie Ashford or Jay Butterfield or some combination of the three. I would love to see them play. I don't expect that to happen, and I don't say that as a jab at Anthony Brown. He did a lot of good things this year. He did a lot of things that were not so good as well, as we all know. But just because you know we've seen him play, we know what he is, And this would be an opportunity against a really quality opponent, a 10-win Oklahoma team, which is down by Oklahoma standards, but it's still the Oklahoma Sooners, and they won 10 games. An opportunity for young quarterbacks to, you know, show what they've got and get some game experience. I would like to see that happen, but I don't anticipate that taking place. Maybe we'll see Ty Thompson, you know, late in the game, but I, I wouldn't get your hopes up about seeing any of those young quarterbacks playing in the Alamo Bowl against the Sooners, though I would really like to. There's one position group that I think Oregon fans should be watching even more than the other ones, though it's always good to watch young players, see what we've got, and get excited about the future. And we've talked about the offensive linemen are going to come back. I think we know that that unit is going to be strong for the next year or two because of the foundation that Cristobal and Alex Mirabal laid there. There's just a lot of really good guys of... Uh, in different classes as well. But the wide receiving unit, I think, is the most compelling area to watch for Duck fans in the Alamo Bowl. Devin Williams announced that he's going to forego the game and get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, Mikhail Wright, defensive back, also not going to play. Thibodeau, of course, not going to play. So we'll be, out, we'll be without a, a few key guys, but there's still a lot of talent on this roster. But the wide receiving core... I think it's just going to be fascinating, because Williams this year was very clearly the number one wide receiver, and though it was an offense partially because of the quarterback and also partially due to Joe Moorhead's RPO-based attack, that didn't use the wide receivers all that often. And so without Devin Williams, who was the clear number one receiver this year with Anthony Brown, assuming Brown is the quarterback... I'm curious to see who he goes back to as the number one. We saw Chris Hudson develop as you know, sort of an emerging wide receiver after having some struggles early in the year with penalties and fumbles. He came on at the end, you know, especially against Oregon State. He had some really, really big-time catches and plays. Is he going to have another breakout game? And what are we going to see from other young guys who we just haven't heard from all that often? You know, the Troy Franklins, Dante Thorntons, Isaiah Crockers of the world. I think it's an opportunity for all of those guys, a really great opportunity, on national television, on a a big scale against a really quality opponent, to show what they are capable of. And coaches will take note, even though we're undergoing a, a change in the coaching staff, they will take note of guys who show up in this game, play hard, show their commitment to the Ducks, and are also able to showcase their talents. And any of those guys that i mentioned a moment ago, Franklin or Thornton or Crocker, who we've seen just you know here and there sporadically throughout the season, really have an opportunity. I mean, the wide receiver one void for the Ducks is sort of wide open. I mean, i think Hudson is a leading candidate for it, but he also plays primarily out of the slot. So a guy like Troy Franklin who was a pretty heralded four-star recruit on the edge. He's got big, big-time size. He's like 6'4", 6'5". He could fill in as that Devin Williams role who you throw a back-shoulder fade to down the sideline or fade routes in the end zone or you know challenge the defense with, with one-on-one opportunities over the top. I think there's a lot to look for there in that wide receiving unit. And another thing to look out for is whether or not 7 McGee will line up at wide receiver. Remember him? Yes, I think we all do. And I think Oregon fans want to see him get more and more touches, particularly on that jet sweep action. I think he can be the new Jalen Red and can be just as effective as Jalen Red. You know, lining up in the slot primarily, give him some jet sweeps, but he runs routes and catches passes as well. I'll be interested interested to see if this staff, even though a lot of them might not be back for 2022, If they want to put 7 McGee in a position where he is sort of that Jalen Red, Charles Nelson, DeAnthony Thomas type role, where you can hand the ball off to him in the backfield, hand it off to him on the jet sweep, or just line him up in the slot and let him run some routes. I mean, I think he's capable of doing all that, and I would love, love, love to see what he's capable of with regards to his wide receiver skills because I think it's something that he is capable of doing, I also think it's been a role Oregon has always had in the offense in the last few years. And I think a lot of offenses have that sort of hybrid running back wide receiver guy. So that's something to look for. And, and which wide receivers who are purely wide receivers are going to step up is why I think the wide receiving unit is far and away the most interesting to watch. I think the quarterback would be if they said we're going to play Anthony Brown you know, in the first half, give him his final half of college football, Then play, you know, whoever has moved up to number two in the depth chart at the quarterback position. I looked at the two deep a couple days ago. It was either Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield, they said, as the number two quarterback. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But I, I just think the wide receiving core could give Duck fans a lot of hope because on the whole, it was sort of an underutilized position this year because there was so much talent and then it was unfortunate that Pittman entered the portal right as Jalen Redd and Johnny Johnson the third got hurt because they were really good guys you hate to see their careers and that way both supremely talented had some really big moments during their time in Oregon but there's a lot to look for on the edge on offense and I'll be interested to see how that all plays out game preview is coming up but first we take a break it's the New year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution. Because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, or waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs and 17 grams of protein. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. Go to built.com, use promo code and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. At built.com Alright, so now let's get to the actual game itself, and the matchup with Oklahoma. And by the way, the Alamo Bowl has always been a, uh, a pretty solid, competitive bowl game between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. There have been some really epic games, one of which took place in 2015 that we're just not going to mention. But this is somehow the first time in the history of this game, that both teams have had double-digit wins, which is kind of an interesting stat because it's always been a solid bowl game, but it's just the way that the Big 12 and Pac-12 standings have, uh, have, have shaken out over the years. So you've got a couple of 10-win teams, and there's a lot of interesting notes about Oregon and Oklahoma meeting in this game. And the first is that neither one of these teams really feels like they just had a 10-win season. I mean, the Ducks have lost two of their last three games in blowout fashion. And Oklahoma barely got by Kansas this year. But, hey, the Jayhawks are a really, really tough team to beat. Just ask Texas. But, you know, Oregon also had the loss to Stanford. They barely beat Arizona and Cal at home. I know the Arizona score ended up like 44-17 to 17 or whatever it was. But it, it, it was closer than that for most of it. So both of these teams are sort of in that spot. They're both undergoing coaching changes. They both had 10-win seasons that were seen as disappointments. And really neither fan base is in a mood where it feels like they just had a 10-win season. But you look up, and they did. Privileges of being a a well-run and historically competitive, at least in the last 20 years or so, football program. You look up, you say, oh look, we got 10 wins. And you can feel, eh. That was just okay. Could have been more. But both teams are going to be playing with coaches and staffs who, you know, mostly won't be on the sideline in Opening Day 2022. And I've got nothing at all against Brian McClendon, the Oregon passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, who's the interim head coach. I'm just saying, I'm slightly disappointed. I'm okay. I'm majorly disappointed that they didn't get Mike Bellotti to come be the interim head coach just to go up against Bob Stoops, because this is the first time Oregon and Oklahoma have met since 2006. What a day that was. <laughs> that was uh, that was a doozy. And I, I lived in Oklahoma for a year and a half before I moved to where I am now. And let me tell you, they haven't forgotten that game over there. People would find out I'm a Duck fan. They'd say, oh, you remember that game in 2006? Yes, I uh, most definitely do. What a day it was. But I think there's still plenty to play for in this game. That's a narrative that I just, I I reject wholeheartedly. That, you know, bowl games don't matter. You know, players should opt out, all this sort of stuff. And I understand it when guys opt out. I don't love it, but I understand it. But the idea that there's nothing to play for, you know, bowl games are not worth watching, I just don't find that to be the case at all. Because if you can come into a game like this and win it on national television against a quality non-conference opponent. It proves to the rest of the country, first of all, or anyone who watches, that you're capable of winning those sorts of games. Oregon could look back and say, boy, we had a disappointing season, but we beat Ohio State and Oklahoma in the same year, and neither of those games came at home. That's about building the profile of your program. Plus, the young guys who are on the roster are going to be there for several years, prove to themselves and each other, within that locker room, that they're able to win these sorts of games. And the preparation that goes into it and you know all that sort of stuff, th- there's plenty to play for there. Is it you know, program crushing if you lose? No, but I will say that years ago when a certain Alamo, Bo- Alamo Bowl game happened against TCU, when it came time to decide whether or not to keep or retain Mark Helfrich, that game was a big knock on on Helfrich's argument for why he should still be the head coach. So the stuff does matter, even during a coaching change. And, you know, players, as I've been talking about, have the opportunity to set themselves up to move up the depth chart, right? And that's what you want to see is guys who are playing hard and are able to come into the game and say, this is what I can do, here's, you know, my opportunity, and are they going to be able to make the most of it? That's what you look for. Even more than the game itself, you want to see – Everyone able to play together cohesively as a team, but individual players' ability to step up and distinguish themselves to create chances to play in the following season is something that definitely, definitely takes place during these bowl games. More on the game preview with Oregon and Oklahoma coming up, including who I think might win and how these teams are going to win if they're going to be victorious in the 2021 Alamo Bowl. But first, we take one more break. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, NHL, boxing and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so the game itself, ESPN Power Index actually loves Oklahoma in this game. I think part of that is due to the fact that it's being played in Texas, so, you know, however big the crowd is, it'll be at least 75-25 Oklahoma versus Oregon fans, I would guess. Could be even higher. I was at the Pac-12 championship game, and that was like 85-15, or maybe, it was probably about 85-15 Utah to Oregon fans, because... They're, they're a lot closer to Las Vegas, but it was a great environment. I'm glad the Pac-12, on the whole, has moved the games there. But Oklahoma is a 4.5 point favorite. So, an ESPN gives them about a 70% chance to win. If I were betting in this game, which I am not, I would just take Oregon in the points because 4.5 is kind of a lot in a game like this with two teams that, I think, frankly, are pretty evenly matched. Now, Oklahoma's got the better quarterback in Caleb Williams. He's a freshman who took over for Spencer Rattler, who entered the portal and is now going to play for South Carolina. And, you know, we'll see if he and Shane Beamer are able to win any games over there. But I have my doubts. They'll probably just continue to be sort of a middle of the road to bottom of the pack SEC team. But Oregon, I think, has the better defense in this game. I don't know that it's even close. Even without Kayvon Thibodeau, there's more talent on that Oregon defense than there is on the Oklahoma defense, but Oklahoma, their offense is definitely shown to be more explosive at times this year, and they've had more consistent quarterback play. Now, they've also been rotating Williams and Rattler in and out at times, but now they can't do that, and they're all in on Caleb Williams, and I understand that, but I think Oregon has a good chance to win this game if they can they can hit their breaking point. This is what I this is what I call uh, breaking points. Is if this happens, in my mind, the odds that that team wins is going to increase by a lot. For Oregon, they've outgained their opponents this year on the ground by an average of seventy three yards a game, and that's with a rush defense that has been pretty flimsy at times. So if Oregon, who averages about 200-ish rushing yards a game, if they get to that 175 number as a team, I think there's a really good chance they win. Because what that will mean is that they're controlling the clock, keeping the ball away from Oklahoma's offense, and when you're explosive offense, the worst thing you want to do is sit on the sidelines. Right? When Oregon was going fast and scoring a bunch of points under Chip Kelly, who was Chip Kelly's kryptonite, so to speak, in the Pac-12? Stanford. And their ability to just take the ball away from the offense, keep them on the sideline, make them sit and watch the game. So if Oregon runs for 175 or more yards, I bet you they win. For Oklahoma, I think their breaking point is if they force a turnover of Anthony Brown, particularly an interception in the first quarter, they win. In two of Oregon's three losses this year, Brown has thrown interception in the first quarter. That was against uh, Stanford all the way back in, in week four or five or whatever it was. And then the Pac 12 championship game against Utah. Because, you know, what we've seen with him is when he turns, if he doesn't get into a rhythm early, then he tends to not develop it and play to his full potential later in the game. And I think that's been a consistent trend with him this year. So those are sort of the breaking points for each team. As far as predictions go, this is such a hard game to to predict in, in terms of who's going to actually win the game. You know, forget the spread and whatnot. In terms of who's actually going to win, it could be a lot about momentum, you know, because in a game like this, when you have coaching turnover and both teams came up short of what their ultimate goals were this season, if a team gets down early, I, I think it's gonna be pretty hard to come back in this game. So whoever scores first and gets the momentum. I think is going to have even more of an advantage than, than they normally would. And Oregon has not been known to get off to those sorts of starts. So while I want the Ducks to win, I, I would probably, if, if you forced me to pick, again, I, I would stay away from it if I could, but if you forced me to pick, I'd actually probably think Oklahoma is going to win if not only because it's essentially going to be a home game or at least more of a home game for them and Oregon this year just hasn't shown an ability to win on the road or in neutral site games. They just haven't shown up for one yet. And, you know, maybe Mario Cristobal and the staff leaving, maybe that's the motivation they need to, you know, show what they can do and that it wasn't just all about one guy. But I think that that's a lot to ask to go that far versus how far Oklahoma's going to have to travel. And, you know, just based on Oregon's history on the road, I, I, again, I want Oregon to win, of course. I want them to win every game from now until the end of time. But I would probably lean towards Oklahoma. I think the 70% that ESPN, FPI, that's Football Power Index, has got for the Sooners, I think that's too high. I, I would put it closer down to 60. But, you know, the geographical advantage is definitely going Oklahoma's way. And I, I just think they're mostly even and they have different strengths. But, you know, on the whole, they're football teams that have been flawed a little bit this year. And if this was being played on the West Coast, I'd probably think Oregon has the advantage. But because it's all the way over in Texas, I think it's uh, it, it could be a really, really difficult game. But, you know, tons to watch, tons to play for. And I'm really, really excited to see, you know, who emerges at the wide receiver position and also whether or not we see any of those quarterbacks. I don't think we will in terms of the quarterbacks. But I I think that it's possible we could see one later in the game, so I won't I won't give up all hope with uh, with respect to the quarterback position. Also, good test for the defense. Kayvon Thibodeau is not going to play. Mikhail Wright's not going to play. Guys have to step up, and I think it's a great opportunity for those guys to show what they can do and get Oregon fans excited about the 2022 football season. I appreciate everyone listening, like and subscribe if you have not already have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks